Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Well, good morning, Missio Day. I'd love to offer up a reflection on a section of scripture today from Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is the second Sunday of Advent lectionary reading for this year. And I believe it's a passage that's helpful for us on this day and in this time. And I wanted to read it to you, Isaiah 40. And it comes after 39 chapters of judgment, 39 chapters of of bad news, of despair, of, of God disappointed, in a sense, with his people through his prophet Isaiah. And this is the first verse, the first chapter of good news after 39 chapters of this judgment. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed to all people, not just church folk, all people, and we'll see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken." For a few minutes together, I want to talk about this idea that our calling is to make a way for somebody else. You know, in Advent, this is a time in which David talked about last week, that Advent begins in the dark. It begins in the dark places where God often is, is not seen, but yet somehow he comes about. And this week today, we're talking about being in the desert to make a way for someone else. And so when we come to the book of Isaiah, as I mentioned before, God is grieved. He peers over the balcony of heaven and sees his people and sees the condition, the way they've responded, the idols they've worshiped, the injustices that they've perpetuated. And he grabs Isaiah, his servant, says, Isaiah, I want to have a conversation with you essentially in a nutshell. He says, Isaiah, come here. Uh, I'm very, very uh, just seeing Israel and I'm, I'm seeing her and, and the condition, and I'm frustrated with Israel. Predominantly, I'm frustrated with the most prominent tribe, Judah. You see, she's found herself in a miserable state. I'm frustrated with her because I love her so much. I love her so much, and yet, because I love her, there's just one thing that I could distill my frustration down is Israel doesn't trust me. She's trusted in Babylon. She's trusted in Assyria. She's trusted in idol worship. She's trusted in material wealth and other things in this world. But yet I've been faithful to her and I've been faithful to her parents. I've been faithful to her grandparents. But this generation refuses to trust me. And they've made treaties and agreements with other nations, believing these nations will actually save them. And yet those nations turn their back against my people. And so... I'm weeping because that's where they are. And they're in exile. They're, they're in a place where they are captured by the Babylonians when, uh, when Isaiah is read to them. And you know what? They can't blame Satan. They, they've gotten themselves in this mess themselves. Now, 
before we judge, judge Judah too harshly, all of God's people, we've all gotten ourselves in a mess before. All of us know what it's like to be backed in the corner, to look at things and look for comfort in other things as the source of our salvation and deliverance. And I know this pandemic has us all looking for comfort. I know uh, many of my conversations is, is wondering and asking other people how they're finding comfort, whether it's guilty pleasures or other things in this world uh, during this pandemic. And I, and I think we easily forget the purpose of Advent during this time as we find comfort and security in our money, comfort and, and pleasures, comfort in retail therapy and chocolate and comfort in, in Netflix and other things that are all relaxing but not renewing. But today, Isaiah 40 offers us a different eternal kind of comfort, something to find true comfort in. And that's what I want to offer you is this, this call of Advent is that there's something, two things I want to talk about today, something to find comfort in and someone to make a way for. Something to find comfort in and someone to make a way for. Uh, and I believe the de desert, the times like now, the times like in Isaiah 40, they have a unique way of revealing who we are trusting in, who we are following. But the desert is the place we can truly experience eternal comfort because we wouldn't need to be comforted if we had everything going well. And so Isaiah says, comfort, comfort. God tells Isaiah, say, comfort, comfort to my people. The word comfort in Hebrew means to breathe. I love that. He's saying, breathe, breathe. I know you're pressed down. I know you're suffering. I know you're depressed. I know you're in despair, but just breathe. God says, come here, Isaiah. You see my people? They're living by the river's edge in tears. And just picture someone distressed, beaten down by, lot, by life. He's saying, Isaiah, go put your hand on them and on their back and just say, breathe, breathe. And they're probably having one of those ugly cries right now after 39 chapters of hearing God's uh, judgment. But now he's saying, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm always here for you. I'm, I'll never abandon anything. And so you would expect God to come and say, I told you so, right? They've gotten themselves in this mess. And many of us, maybe you are in a mess. Maybe you're in a financial mess or a family mess. Maybe you are in a moral mess. Maybe, I don't know. We aren't talking about a God laughing at you, saying, I told you so, delighting in your failures. We have a God whose word to you this morning is breathe, breathe. Comfort, comfort. And, and, how can you think about this? Like God continues to be so light with our mess. Like he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Her iniquity, her, her rebellion, her transgressions are pardoned. And what I find appalling is nowhere does it say that Judah even acknowledged or asked for forgiveness. He just says, hey, you know what? Just go announce to her I've already forgiven her. Paid in full double of grace upon her life. And I love that. Um, I, I've been thinking about that, about this idea of being paid in full, you know, that our, our, our past, present, and future is paid in full. And it reminds me one time um, after church, my family, um, my kids love McDonald's. Uh, it's always a, a, a tension point for me because I'll walk into my family uh, house with a bag of McDonald's and it feels like I have to conceal it sometimes because it's called the McDonald's bag of shame in our household. It's just something about it feels dirty but good, right? And uh, we go to McDonald's and we order and we spend about $15 to feed our whole family at McDonald's. 
And we get to the drive-in to pay, and they say, sorry, we don't need your card. Someone's already paid for your meal. And I'm like, I didn't see anybody in the drive-thru. I don't know, was it someone, no one else from our church eats at McDonald's after church. Like, I don't, who is this? Who's this person? And we didn't know. And, and I'm just looking around, looking around, who, who paid for this meal? And I'm here to tell you today that you need to know that your bill has been paid in full, that you don't have to look around wondering if God will do it. You don't even need to ask his permission if he will do it or can he do it. He just does it. You don't even need to confess a thing this morning as we think about Jesus' return and his first coming. You need to know that in between the cradle and the crown, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. That 2,000 years ago, your bill was paid by Jesus on the cross. And now notice what he says. He says, her iniquity is pardoned. And it says, a voice is crying in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. He says, don't forget, people who've blown it, I'm not here to judge you. Your bill has been paid, but I want you in the response to prepare and make a way, a straight way for others to God. I've not only brought you redemption, he's saying, I have a call on your life. So imagine with me, uh, you know, now, this is probably years ago when that meal was paid, I get a phone call from someone and it's, it's a woman and she says, you know what, um, uh, Brian, you know, I paid, I'm the one who paid your McDonald's bill and, and that line that day. Do you remember that? I'm like, yes, I did. And, uh, you know, well, I, I'm, I live in, you know, St. Louis and I need someone to watch my kids. I need you to fly over to St. Louis right now and watch my kids because after all, I did pay your meal. I would say, are you kidding me? Like, you want me to drive? There's no way I'm going to fly and get on the next flight to go and watch your kids. Slow your roll, not doing that. It was just $15 after all. Now, imagine if she paid my mortgage. Now I'm gonna be on the next flight. I'm gonna go and watch her kids. I'm gonna watch her neighbor's kids. I'm gonna use my vacation time. I'm gonna do whatever I can. Why? Because the greater the redemption, the greater the response. And God's redemption is so great for us that he pays double, it says, for our iniquities. That he says, your service, hard work service is over. It is finished. It is paid in full. This is just such good news that the Christian message is all about. Jesus, tell me what you want me to do. I'm all yours. You've done such a great work for me, right? And here's, he says, here's what I want you to do for, for me. I want you to make a way. I want you to lower the mountains, the obstacles from people finding me, and I want you to raise up the valleys, those on the margins and the oppressed, those who are too low by society in reaching me. And I want you to make a straight path to me. This was an act in which they would do for royalty. They would actually do construction to make a path so that the king and emperor could come to the common people and throw a parade and throw out blessings to the people, actually give out money to say that I'm a king who cares about their, their people. And Jesus is, God is saying, and that Jesus will fulfill this, that you are to make a way for me. And so our response today is to make a way for somebody to live for the king's agenda. God has brought you here today, not just to like give you material wealth, not just to give you uh, a comfort in this earth that's fleeting. He's come here to give you a calling on your life and you have a calling right now in this season. Uh, I am reminded of Olive Schreiner. 
Olive Schreiner was a South African writer during the time of the South African apartheid. She was a, a part of the anti-apartheid movement before that was even a thing. And Olive Schreiner was the intellectual mentor of Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman, the great writer, Christian mystic and contemplative of the civil rights movement. Howard Thurman would quote her stories to give inspiration to others and lift up others of a next generation. Olive Schreiner would often look at nature. She wrote a book about uh, the story of an African farmer. And she, she would always look at nature and say, you can, you can look at creation long enough. If you look at it long, you'll see more about your God. And she tells a story of a young girl in her book, a story of a young girl who is looking at a small river. And the young girl noticed the locust making a trek to the river's edge in this small river. Now, she's noticed that all these different locusts were making a track to the river's edge, but one would get swept away in the river, and then another would come and get swept away in the river. Eventually, a bunch would come, and eventually so much that they would make a bridge to the other side of the river so that other locusts could cross. And in the story, an elder comes along, and she tells the elder that she's been noticing this about these locusts making a track. She says, but there's always one that gets swept away, and several that got swept away prior. So what happened to those that got swept away? And the elder looked at the young girl and said, there's always those who make a track to the river's edge who will not make it to the other side. But it's because they made a track to the river's edge. They are the reason we are able to make a bridge to the other side. I love that. That there's others who have made a track to the river's edge and they're the reason you and I are here today. There's others in the past that are just in the footnotes of God's story and they are why you and I are here today. And they've been lost in the history of what we often think of. And I think of, you know, I don't know about you, but I think of, you know, my mom, my parents. You know, my, my mom, if you're watching this, which she probably is, thank you for making a way for me to the other side. I think of mentors of mine, previous pastors and campus pastors. I think of others who've invested in me, who made a way to the river's edge for me to go to the other side. And I believe that we've lost this idea, you know, and we get to this passage in Isaiah, fast forward thousands of years, there was a community called the Qumran community. You see, the Qumran community, out of that was born a man named John the Baptist. And he was one who made such a track for Jesus. There are people who've built a track to the river's edge and John the Baptist made that track. He believed this scripture was, he was a part of the fulfillment to prepare a way a way in the wilderness to make a straight way to God. In the Qumran community, you see, John, John, there's something unique here. He comes in a period when the synagogue had been captured by Roman rule, a little short brief history moment for you. The intertestament period of the Bible, the, the synagogue was captured by Roman rule. And because previous to this period, something known as the Maccabean Revolt, they pushed back the Persians who sought to destroy the Hebrew community. And as a result of Rome coming in, Rome knew the value of the temple, that they didn't want another Maccabean revolt to happen. So they, Rome captured the temple. Rome captured the temple. They raised up high priests to be in charge of the temple. And those high priests were to answer to Rome to make sure that the Jewish people stayed pressed down in an occupied territory. And the goal was this, is to proclaim faith, to preach it, that it was always keep things private, but not public. Keep it personal, but not public. As long as you don't get into public issues, we're okay. 
But this Qumran community saw the corruption and they went off into the desert. They took this making a way in the, in the desert. They made the desert literal and they not the making the way figurative to make a way for a new Messiah that would come. And John the Baptist raised in this Qumran desert community, he had this identity that he knew and had his ego in check. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. And it's about the next generation. We have to keep our egos in check to know that this, is, this, this life that we're living is not a platform for us to be the star. It's for us to be the spotlight onto the true light of Jesus and to make a way for others. John the Baptist knew his limitations. He would say later, I know who I am and I know who I am not, that I must decrease so he must increase. And the deal is, is this, John the Baptist, he took this verse as a sense of calling and he knew that he had an assignment in the desert. I love that. That John had an assignment in the desert. A desert, if you think about it, is a place of insignificance. It's a place where things are barren, it, a place that isn't growing, a place of low resources. And I've been, the, the thing that, I, that God's been saying to me through this, and I want to share with you, is that some of us need to accept our desert assignment. So you see, some of you have been called to a place with little resources. Some of you are called to a place with little growth happening. Some of you are called to a place that seems insignificant in the greater picture. And your impact is not on the fruited plain, but your impact is in the desert. And if we are to be who God calls us to be, we must be willing to accept our desert assignment. That there's so many desert assignments right now that, that we have a, a food, literal food desert on the south side of Chicago. We have uh, uh, issues in the healthcare and education with remote learning and, and other areas, the service industry, those who are on the front lines serving our country, keeping businesses open. You need to know that you have a desert assignment that we must accept, that things will never grow at the level that you would want to at the desert assignment, but you have to be comfortable where God calls you. The journey for us is to prepare the way of the Lord, to see our ego and keep it in check. That means lower the mountains that are removing the way. It also means raising up others that are pressed down. And it means that we're to make a way for somebody, our calling is to pay it forward, to continue to think about who are we making a way for? Who are we continuing the lineage in the history of our God that continues to make a way? And I know this is a simple reflection, but I think it's a powerful one to think about that the greater the redemption, the greater the responsibility, the greater the response. And God, if you've done that kind of redemption, what is my calling? I said a couple of weeks ago that the stories we're a part of will ultimately tell us the role we play. And when we see that this grand redemption renewal project is the story we ultimately belong to, we will answer to God and say, what role do you want me to play? And he says, prepare the way, make a way for someone else to make a highway to God. After all, that's what the whole faith lineage has been about. Advent is about making a way making room for Jesus, right? You know the story, that there was no room in the inn, that the whole point was that we need to make room for Jesus in this time. You see, before there was Jesus, there was Mary and Elizabeth. 
Mary and Elizabeth, Mary literally was the first person to ever make room for Jesus the Messiah, literally making room as she was in preparation to give birth to Jesus. And before Mary and Elizabeth, there was John John the Baptist. Before there was John the Baptist, there was Isaiah. Before there was Isaiah, there was Solomon. And before there was Solomon, there was David. And before there was David, there was Saul. And before there was Saul, there was Samson. Before there was Samson, there was Deborah. And before there was Deborah, there was Joshua. And before there was Joshua, there was Moses. Before there was Moses, there was Joseph. And before there was Joseph, there was Jacob. And before there was Jacob, there was Isaac. And before there was Isaac, there was Abraham. And before there was Abraham, there was Noah, and before there was Noah, there was Cain and Abel, and before there was Cain and Abel, there was Adam and Eve, and before Adam and Eve, God was in the beginning. You see, the story of our faith is about the people of God who make a way to the river's edge, to make a way to God for others to join in the story. So I invite you during Advent to invite people to the Prince of Peace the King of kings, the Lord of lords, in which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, may you bless us today. May you keep us. May you shine your face upon us. May we see that as we're in the desert, may we never forget our assignment so that we make a way for others to God. May we lower the mountain idols. May we raise up the valleys. May we proclaim to others, breathe, breathe. In a time when we are all reaching and grabbing for comfort, may you be the one who comforts us, holds us, speaks tenderly to us. Isaiah later says that you will carry us in the arms like a lamb and be very close to God's heart. So I pray for many of us that in this season that God will carry you that he will carry you close to his chest and you will hear the very heartbeat of God, that you will hear the heartbeat of God upon your life. You will hear the heartbeat of God upon your calling. You will hear the heartbeat of God moving. Holy Spirit, would you move in our spaces right now so that we can be your people and we can block and move and get uh, create a way for others to come. And may we thank God for those who came before us, who made a way for us. But not only that, we thank you, God, for Jesus who made a way for us, who gave his life, who was crushed for the iniquities of us all, who, who, was, who was stricken, who was left, abandoned, who was beaten, mocked. Yes, this is Advent and we recognize his coming, but we know his coming was one of ultimate sacrifice, ultimate resurrection, and ultimately will come back again to make all things new. So God, would you do this again in your time? God, may you do it again in our time, in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.